the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 277 for September 18th, 2011. Congress asked the president to approve the AT&T-T-Mobile merger, seven states sue AT&T over the merger, and AT&T, they bring LTE online in five cities. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. Well, first this week, OtterBox announced their latest case in the Reflex line. This is another great option for the iPad 2, the true combination of protection and convenience. It's an excellent option for those that are looking for a slim design that's really easy to put on and take off of your iPad. And after using it for a week, I can say that the Reflex series is the case to buy if you're looking for ultimate protection of your iPad. Uh, It's definitely a better value than the Defender series, and it's much more useful for most people. It's thinner, lighter, and even smaller, yet it's still a great way to protect your iPad. Uh, It's not compatible with the smart cover, which I will say is a little bit annoying, but uh, the front cover of the Reflex actually folds into a stand, and it doesn't need to be attached to the tablet at all times. I'm loving the setup. I've used it with my iPad this whole week, and I'm actually using the iPad more this week as a result. Because before you had a, uh, a clear snap-on hard case on the back um, that was compatible with the smart cover. So what is a little bit better about this setup that you like? Is it, uh, is it offer more protection? Probably when it's closed, my, my guess is. Because the smart cover, it, it, it protects the screen, but very, very minimally. Like if you turn it upside down, the smart cover kind of falls off. I mean, it, it, it provides a little bit of uh, a little bit, but no way does it stay on under all circumstances. So the Reflex line, um, you know, I've, t- I've reviewed their, their line, this line in the past, and it's, it's designed um, after the crumple zones in a car. So if you think about how the crumple zones of a car work, that's how this case is. So it's actually built up a little bit at the corners where typically when you drop devices, it lands and there's kind of a cushion in there uh, that protects the device when it falls and, and lands on that. So um, I have actually included uh, three different videos uh, in the review that actually show this thing falling, being thrown and stuff like that. And it, it protects it really well. So that's that's a nice thing. And yes, um, I did have a, a clear cover on the back of the iPad before this. Um, this adds a little bit more in thickness, um, maybe about double what that little plastic thing I had on there was, which was really not that much. Um, but the what I do like, and like I said, this the front cover that they provide with this um, is this kind of really uh, flimsy piece of plastic that um, will protect the screen when you throw it in a bag or something like that. But at the same time, it's got pieces of silicone in it that allow you to fold it up and it creates a little stand for it that just is nice and easy to set on your desk. And uh, then you can you can prop it up in multiple different ways. And I've got some pictures showing exactly how this thing works, but um, it's it's something I just leave on the desk. I, I set the iPad in it when I'm at my desk, and uh, or you know on the coffee table or whatever, and then I just pick it up and 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 use it. And the thing I don't like about the smart cover is that it's always hanging there by the magnet. Um, you got to figure out a way to fold it and hold it and stuff like that. And I do like that it turns the screen on and off, but I'll say the trade-off for having just another piece here with the Reflex series is worth it. 
All of that said, um, it's not yet available for purchase. This was just a review sample they sent out. Um, they're going to uh, be putting, getting this online hopefully pretty soon. There's a sign-up page if you want to sign up for notifications on when it's available. Um, also, it's a little bit on the pricey side. It is $70, uh, though the uh, Defender series, I think, is $90. So you do save a few dollars by going with this line. And like I said, for most people, this is going to be a better way um, and, and a, a more not only economical way, a better value, uh, but it's also going to to give you, um, I would say, enough protection for what you're going to be looking for with it. And in all honesty, I'm, I'm much more comfortable recommending this than the Defender series. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, it does. Because, uh, you know, you just show me that, uh, show me the, the cover there. It's a nice, uh, it's nice and thin, you know, it's not too bulky. And that's, of course, my biggest complaint with the, uh, the Defender series. Yeah. So again, this is something that is will be coming online hopefully very soon. Um, we've got the review up over at the site if you want to check it out. If you've got an iPad too, you can see what the Reflex series will do for it. Well, next, we got our review of the Sprint Samsung Galaxy S2 Epic 4G touch-up this week. And if we're forced to choose a single Android handset to be crowned the most coveted and desired of 2011, the Samsung Galaxy S2 would definitely be most people's choice. Since the announcement in April and release earlier this year in Europe and Asia, Android fans have been going to great lengths to get this thing imported here to the U.S. Now, after many months of waiting and anticipation, it is finally here. The Galaxy S2 is available in multiple variants on multiple networks, including AT&T and T-Mobile. But we are using the Sprint model. It's the Epic 4G Touch. It's got CDMA and WiMAX built into it, and it went on sale this past Friday for $200 with a new agreement. You know, I don't know what the two with with it, price aside. If I had to go to Sprint right now and buy a phone, I still think I would buy the Nexus S. Honestly, I would. But uh, the the Galaxy S two, I, I know it's a, an amazingly fast phone. I mean, it's got the the power and the the you know the graphics are, are just basically unmatched. Let's talk a little bit about it and why uh, it's probably the best device uh, that's out there right now. 1.2 gigahertz processor. That's a dual core processor. It's got a 4.5 inch display. Um, it's a still just a, a uh, an 800 by 480 display, but it uses the Super AMOLED Plus technology. It's incredibly bright and vivid. Um, it, it's just a just an absolute pleasure to look at. Um, probably the best in class camera, the best camera um, I've used on any of these Android devices out there. It's an eight megapixel camera. It does have 1080p video recording, which um, is a tad shaky, but overall the, the quality is really, really nice. Um, there's a couple of downsides, I'll say. Number one, it's, uh, you know, for 4G, it uses WiMAX that may not be available to everyone that's out there. Um, I was able to do some speed tests with it. When I was on 4G, it worked out really well. However, that is definitely the exception and not the norm. And uh, so I was just, you know, typically on 3G, which is, uh, you know, is just fine, I guess, if you're just, you know, doing whatever. But um, the other thing is the size. Uh, I've got a big section in the review about the actual size of uh, the Galaxy S2. It's just a little bit too much for me. I, I don't know. I think anytime you get over four inches, especially for me, it, it becomes a two-handed device. I, I can't easily use this. It feels like it's going to slip out of my hand. I have a hard time reaching when I'm holding it with my thumb, reaching the opposite side of the screen. And I, I just, I don't know if I could make it my everyday device. But all of that said, uh, it, th there's so many great things to love about this. And I know it's going to sell like crazy. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the the larger screen devices, you know, like the Evo, really were uh, really are hot. I mean, I I don't remember what the Evo is versus the Nexus S, but the Nexus S for me, it seems like a really really good size. It just it, it's an it's a big screen, but it uh, it's not overly big. I don't think it's 
gigantic. So, uh, and I and I believe this one's four. So that that would of course make sense. Yeah, the the Evo I believe was four three. So this one's even bigger. And um, here's the other thing though: it is very very thin. There's uh, at the at the thinnest point, which is the majority of the device. It's actually thinner than the iPhone four. There is a hump um, on the bottom of it that adds a little bit of thickness, but just barely uh, to make it bigger. Yeah, that's unbelievably thin. That makes my Nexus S look extremely chubby. Yeah, it, it's true. And honestly, I think that's going to be one of the biggest selling points is just how thin it is, how light it is. I've, I've handed this to, you know, no less than a dozen people. And almost the, the first response from every single one is, wow, is that light? Because it looks so big. I mean, this this is truly um, the, the biggest phone that most people are going to see. I mean, we're not, you know, when you get to 4.5 inches, this is this is, is large. And it doesn't look too bad because of the thinness until you put it next to an iPhone. And then the iPhone just looks tiny. At the same time, I like using a phone with one hand, and so um, the fact that I, I can barely wrap my hand around it, in fact, if I wrap my hand around it, I can't touch my fingers together. That's how, that's how big it is on the front. So um, it, it's something just to, to keep in mind if you're interested in this. If, if the screen, the big screen, is what you're looking for, you will absolutely not be upset about this one. Um, it, is, it is beautiful. It is clear. It is crisp. It works outside, which is a great thing, and I'm I'm just very pleased with it. I've taken a lot of pictures with it because that's one of the, the things that I like the most about it is taking a picture and uh, then looking at it on the big screen. Um, the the zoom works really well on it. They've got some other pretty neat integrated things into it, um, like this this Keys Air software that allows you to access all of the content on the device from a web browser on a computer. You just launch the app and then you go into the, the browser, type in the, the IP address of what you are, you know, of, of your device basically. And, and then you're accessing all that content. So there are some neat things that they've done with this one here. Um, it, it's, it's a good device. It's a solid device. Like I said, I think it's going to be a big seller and uh, Sprints was the first one to get it out. So I'm very pleased that they were to, able to ship one over to us so we could review it. Well, maybe this will start a trend. The longer the name, the better the phone. The fact that you've got a uh, a name of a phone with a comma in it, um, and the fact that it takes two lines on the box to to list it out, it's there. There's some some issues there. <laughs> um, I, I think they could have. We're probably just going to hear of it from henceforth as the Epic 4G Touch um, or Sprint's Galaxy S2. Either way, but um, yeah, it, it is very very long. The Samsung Galaxy S2 Epic 4G Touch, again, available for $200 on contract from Sprint. It went on sale this past Friday. So let's jump into the news. First off, U.S. Representative Heath Schuler on Thursday led a group from Congress urging President Obama to settle the proposed AT&T-T-Mobile merger. The representatives want the president to force the DOJ to settle the lawsuit in favor of the merger. They believe it will be good for the country by creating jobs in the long run. In the letter, Schuler says, The road to economic recovery is long, but there is an opportunity before us to immediately create jobs and spur infrastructure investments and technological innovations that will create jobs for years to come. And I have one thing to tell this uh, Representative Schuler to get back to work and uh, stop uh, meddling around with things that uh, the Obama administration probably can't override anyway. So very strange. Um, you know, it, it, it reeks of uh, payoffs, and but but I'm kind of a, a skeptic sometimes. So uh, it's it's just uh, it's really strange. You know, let the actual justice system deal with this, not uh, congressmen who really don't have any business dealing with that. 
You know, Sprint wasn't real happy about it uh, either. They said, make no mistake, AT&T's proposed takeover of T-Mobile will eliminate tens of thousands of jobs around the country. The flawed economic study embraced by AT&T and its union ignores the Wall Street investors and the federal government and what they have already been promised. Uh, The overall investment for the combined companies will substantially be reduced if the proposed transaction closes. The judge for the hearing has asked that the case, uh, for the case, I should say, has uh, asked both parties to come to the table with a proposal ready to be heard so we'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, there but uh, yeah this was uh, an interesting one and uh, following up on that on friday the u.s department of justice announced that seven states had joined them in the lawsuit against at&t in the acquisition the attorneys general for california illinois massachusetts new york ohio pennsylvania and washington reached the same conclusion as the doj that the proposed takeover would violate antitrust law and would harm consumers competition and the economy uh, in the statement the justice department said we have had an excellent working relationship with a number of state attorneys general that have provided invaluable assistance throughout our investigation. We are pleased that these states have joined the department in its lawsuit. AT&T then, of course, uh, had their response. They said it is not unusual for state attorneys general to participate in DOJ merger review proceedings or court filings. At the same time, we appreciate that 11 state attorneys general and hundreds of other local state and federal officials are publicly supportive of our merger. We'll continue to seek an expedited hearing on the DOJ's complaint on a parallel path we have been and remain interested in a solution that addresses the DOJ's issues with the merger. So uh, some kind of back and forth there, I guess, this week, if we, if we will. And again, uh, we heard last week that there was this lawsuit that was coming down the line with the DOJ, and we should hear something very soon. The hearing is next Wednesday, the 21st. Um, so we will know something more, whatever that is, uh, come next week. Well, for the first time, smartphones outsold feature phones in Western Europe during the second quarter, according to a report from the IDC. During the period, smartphone shipments increased to 52% of the total number of phones sold within the region. That's an increase of 48% over last year. Feature phones declined 29% over the same period, as did the overall phone market by 3%. Android dominated the sales with 48.5% of all phones shipped, and Samsung and HTC are leading that trend. Apple came in third with an increase over the period of 64%, mostly due to the white version of the iPhone. Google and Intel on Tuesday announced that feature versions of Android would support Intel's Atom family of processors. Google's Andy Rubin appeared at Intel's developer forum to announce the partnership. He said combining Android with Intel's low-powered smartphone roadmap opens up more opportunity for innovation and choice. This collaboration will drive the Android ecosystem forward. The joint venture will enable mobile device OEMs with wireless operators to draw upon the performance and low-power capabilities of Intel's architecture and tap into the scale of the x86 developer ecosystem to further drive the adoption of the Android platform. Yeah, I don't know if I really particularly like this. I mean, it makes sense to me for, you know, tablets and netbooks, but uh, for mobile devices and battery saving devices, you know, the ARM chipset here is what's really brought us into this kind of this next generation of wireless devices that have these these exceptionally long battery lives and and intel's x80 x86 uh you know it it was never designed for battery saving and it's it's not uh optimized for that so um i mean this is good for compatibility and this will probably drive costs down for android uh devices but again it's something where now the developers have to support two um, uh, architecture types and that's just I don't know if this is a strain if it will be a strain or, or what it'll do but I, I'm not uh, I'm, I, I don't really like this 
Well, they did, of course, you know, say that they will continue to support the ARM processors. So um, they, they, I think, they believe that it's it's really going to enable um, you know more things in the future. I think there's going to be some Chrome tie-ins. There's going to be some Google TV stuff, and uh, maybe some of the development um, of third-party applications and stuff are going to be reliant uh, on this as well. And and I'm not I'm not exactly sure what that's going to mean, but I think it's more of a streamline just to make it so that it does work. And uh, you're, you're absolutely right, though. ARM processors have long been the uh, you know the driving force behind the the devices that we're using here, these mobile devices. And so it doesn't I don't know I don't know if it's uh, if initially it's going to mean much but maybe in the long run you're right it could be it could be bad but at the same time i think it may it may actually be good as well just for for other products yeah for other products it is it's just um it's just such an ancient architecture i mean we're what is it 25 30 years old or plus something like that it's just it's just not modern and honestly i'm i guess i don't even really care i mean i'm, I'm glad there's the option there and um, over time, it's it'll work itself out, and uh, it is interesting though. In the same vein, too, this week in in computing news, um, Microsoft's uh, what is it? Windows eight will now be able to run on devices with ARM processor. I mean that that is, I think, even more of an amazing uh, piece of information news this week. You know, it really is because that's going to then push Windows eight into more of a tablet slash uh, you know battery saving you know iPad ish style interface and i think they're trying to to uh, jump the gun here with apple and uh, of course the supposed rumors of them moving towards a, a system like that where it's kind of a uh, ipad slash computer dual boat or you know combined operating system where it, it, it's just a unified system so uh, it definitely takes a step in in that direction I honestly, I, I was pretty impressed with all the Windows 8 stuff that I saw, and I know we're we're, we're not a you know desktop computer operating system show, but uh, I, I did uh, I did think it was pretty pretty neat what they had done so far, and you know they had the developer preview available that anyone could download for free and test it out and stuff. So uh, some some neat stuff there. I think we'll be hearing more about it going forward. A lot of tie-ins with Windows Phone 7, um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more Mango here in just a minute as well. But before that, Research in Motion on Thursday announced its quarterly earnings for fiscal Q2 2012. The revenue hit $4.17 billion with earnings of $0.80 cents a share. Both slightly missed estimates and net income for the period totaled $329 million. On the device side, RIM shipped 10.6 million BlackBerry smartphones in the quarter, and their subscriber base topped 70 million for the first time. Now, both are very, very good milestones to hit, but this is this is a 40% increase year on year, but it missed projections uh, by anywhere between one and two and a half million smartphones uh, internal projections. So they, they missed what they thought they were going to do, not to mention what the street thought that they were going to do. And for the first quarter, with Playbook shipments, RIM, uh, for first full quarter, that is, RIM reported sales of the playbook well below expectations. They shipped only 200,000 units during the first full quarter. Uh, That's less than a third of the 700,000 estimated by analysts. So far, total playbook shipments since uh, launch back in, what was it, May, uh, are under three quarters of a million. That's over a period of like four or five months. So this thing is not selling well. Yeah, Mickey, you know, that's not that surprising. And, And unfortunately, those numbers are probably even a little inflated from what they've actually sold. It's just, it's not a compelling device. It they forgot to put email on it, which that's really what you want to do. They forgot to put a uh, calendar and forgot to put contacts on it. And uh, it, to me, it just reeked of a marketing stunt to sell more Blackberries. Uh, and it's just not uh, not a device uh, I could recommend uh, to anybody because it's just, it's really no good. And uh, 
you know, plays videos well and, you know, browses the web well, but uh, that's really not worth the money. I'm I'm kind of there with you right now. Um, and, and speaking of, I think they are wondering if it's worth the money as well. Uh, Rims Jim Bell Silly took the stage um, as well and talked about what they were going to be doing. They talked about this major feature upgrade that was going to be coming. Version 2.0 will be revealed at DevCon next month and uh, will be available soon after. But <clears throat> keep in mind, we're talking about they're, they're, they are now saying they're going to have an operating system update coming. In October, they're going to reveal it, which we already kind of know what they're going to do. They, they're going to do native email, contacts, calendar. They're going to put Android App Player on it. There's going to be a BlackBerry video store in there. So they're going to talk about that again in a month. They're not going to release it in a month. They're going to talk about it again in a month. So um, the only other thing that is kind of compelling about what they're going to do is they're going to show off Cunix-based smartphones there as well. So we may get a glimpse into what that's actually going to mean. Um, but Bell Silly also you know, went on to talk about the playbook and what was going to happen um, with future sales of this thing. He said there's going to be incentive programs for enterprise sales. They're going to be doing some price cuts for it. Um, Rogers on Friday announced an internal sale for company employees where you uh, can get any of the three models uh, for a pretty decent price. The 16 gig model was cut by 50%. It's now down to $249. The 32 gig model is at $349 and the 64 gig is only $400. That's normally $700. No word on what we're going to have for pricing on end users here, but uh, these are some very um, big cuts and uh, it almost smells a little bit like uh, HP and the touchpad. You know, uh, they need to do something like that. I mean, that was my uh, first uh, notion when, when the HP dropped their price that week and I, I, I thought uh, they should have dropped their price to that um, 250 bucks that weekend because they would have sold a ton of them because HP wasn't available. So buy the, the, the BlackBerry one. I mean, why not? But users would have been sorely disappointed because it doesn't have email. And even if it dropped to 250 right now, I'd still be a little hard-pressed to recommend it uh, because most people really won't like it because most people don't have a BlackBerry anymore. And that's really where it uh, uh, becomes a big problem. So it, it's just it's just too bad that it's taken this long to, uh, to update this to, uh, you know, to include the things it was really missing. The, the playbook really was, I think, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest bummer out of all of this. I mean, they still, like, you know, I said they top 70 million users. Um, they still had uh, over 10 million Blackberries that were shipped. They did miss their estimates. But um, they're not totally out of this game yet. But at the same time, they're not growing like I know they want to or, um, you know, really, I think any any investor wants to see them either. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, you know, the, the playbook is definitely a good um, way to get the Cunix operating system out there. And that's really all it uh, is probably going to amount to is kind of a marketing, uh, not a marketing, but more of a development uh, test bed where they can work the bugs out, figure out what needs to be done to then efficiently get it onto phones and actually probably launch a more successful phone. But at the same time, this should be happening now or like yesterday. I mean, th- th- it's the playbook was a, a very big success and an eye catcher, head turner, if you will, at CES. 
it to came out a number of months later, if it would have come out right then when tablets were, you know, just kind of right on the cusp of, of this, you know, newness and everything, um, and then come out a little bit later with these updates, you know, about the time when I think they actually launched it, we're, we're now adding in email and contacts and stuff like that. And uh, I think you're going to have more people that are interested in it. Instead, we're at only 700,000 of these things sold comparatively it's really, really low. It still sounds like a good number, but when you talk about how many iPads are flying off the shelves, it's it's really not that much. I think I saw a stat. There's one playbook sold for every 46 iPads. Now, that is, um, what is that, like 2%? Two, only 2% of the, the tablet market is then actually using these, and I have still yet to only see one of these uh, out and about. And that was someone that I knew, and he was coming to show me that he had bought one. Yeah, and that 1 in 46 almost sounds uh, inflated to me. I mean, it's got to be 1 in 100 at the most here. At, at, at least that's my gut feel. But either way, we've got um, you know we've got other Android tablets out now, and that's what's happened. I mean, they've gotten uh, a foothold, whereas if the Playbook had come out like when we saw it at CES or just right after, yeah, they would have made a jump on an iPad competitor, you know, and they would have jumped the iPad 2 because, you know, that there was quite a bit of improvement there. So it would have been a good time to have that thing out. And then, of course, yes, get the email natively out just within months of that, you know, within a couple of months. And it would have just been that much more successful because you're right, it was a very nice, fast, compelling piece of hardware seeing it there. But it's just, it's obviously wasn't ready for prime time. And uh, prime time it is, uh, or it was, whatever you want to put it. it. It should be there. It should have much more than it is right now. And uh, really, as a media consumption device for most people, it's just not going to cut it to spend 500 bucks. Yeah, because there's no Netflix and there's you know a, a bunch of other things missing that now I'd have to recommend, even if this was 250 to spend the extra $100 and get an, an Asus Transformer Android tablet that can play Netflix, that can do a, a lot more things for only just a hundred bucks more. I mean, realistically, I mean, it's not my favorite device. I don't like the, 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 the shape of it, but you'd be much happier with it. Joey and I have talked about this many times. Joey will recommend that you spend the extra $200 on, or a hundred dollars on top of that or whatever it is to get the iPad. He won't even recommend the transformer. So you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. I mean, unless you just you need Android for something or unless you just absolutely don't want to use iTunes and, and or the, the iPad just isn't your thing or Apple is not your thing. You know, the transformer is the next best, the next best thing to get uh, for the price. And, and you're totally right. The iPad two still is the, the one to get. Boy, it's, it's hard to beat the iPad. Uh, it's just, it's got such a, a strong uh, grip on, on the market right now. It's really, I've, I've heard this said many times, it's an iPad market. The others are just playing in it. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be this way for a ways to go. Well, the number of mobile text, picture, and video messages sent on a global basis is set to exceed $7.5 trillion this year. That's according to a report from research firm Ovum. That number will mark a 12.5% increase over the $6.7 trillion sent in 2010. Ovum also fo- fo- forecasts that the SMS-based messaging market will generate revenues of $153 billion uh, over the year. That's an 8% increase over what was generated last year. 
AT&T on Monday announced a new plan for its prepaid GoPhone service that now offers 250 voice minutes and unlimited messaging for only $25 a month. Along with the plan, a $10 per month add-on brings international long distance for prepaid customers, including 250 minutes, to 50 different countries. Finally, AT&T says that GoPhone users can now roam in Canada with voice charges of $0.39 per minute and text messages at $0.25 per cent message and $0.20 per received. And on Thursday, AT&T announced its LTE network would go live in five markets. Today, Sunday, September 18th, the markets include Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. Ten additional markets are expected to launch before the end of the year. Verizon announced it would expand its $50 prepaid unlimited unleashed plan to the nationwide network on Thursday. The plan offers unlimited talk, text, and web surfing for $50 per month on select devices. Per per Verizon spokesperson Brenda Rainey, she says the plan will be sold at Best Buy, Walmart, and Target stores in addition to Verizon retail locations. Uh, Customers are limited to four phones on the service. They're from LG, Samsung, and Pantech, although some older prepaid phones can also be used. Keep in mind, though, these are not Android devices. These are not smartphones. These are your basic feature phones, and so that web surfing is going to be uh, much less exciting than what you're probably uh, experiencing now on a smartphone. So keep that in mind if you do decide to make the jump over to that plan, but pretty good deal if all you're looking for is talk and text. And as we mentioned last month, Verizon uh, this week brought an additional 26 markets online with its LTE service. In addition to those we announced, you've also got Fort Smith and Jonesboro, Arkansas, Daytona, Florida, Kalamazoo and Saginaw, Michigan, Dryersburg, excuse me, Dyersburg and the Tri-Cities, Tennessee, and then Beaumont, Port Arthur and El Paso, Texas. Verizon says that these markets increased the LTE footprint to 143 markets, covering over 160 million people. Verizon on Thursday confirmed that LTE Advanced is in its plans for future upgrades. Director of Network Technology Praven Atria of Verizon spoke to Light Reading at a recent conference. And according according to uh, Atria, he says that it's too early to test uh, uh, LTE Advanced or even research potential speeds or the features of it, though. He said Verizon is definitely going that route in the long term. And Verizon is also testing voice over LTE, but that won't be ready to go until early 2012. Android Central got their hands on a slide from the latest Sprint playbook this week, showing some big changes coming on their return policy, upgrade options, and the Premier program. First up, the Premier program, a way for loyal Sprint customers to get in on purchasing phones for a discounted rate a few days before the retail release of the device and also getting an upgrade every year. The program is coming to a close effective December 31st, 2011, though customers have another year until the end of 2012 to use their final Premier upgrade. Next, the Sprint 30-day satisfaction guarantee, which is Sprint's return policy, will be modified to mirror that of the other carriers. The plan will now allow allow for only a 14-day return policy for any new devices that are purchased. And though still subject to a restocking fee, customers will have to pay now for the service that they use during that period. And finally, the new For You upgrade program is shaving two months off the period, allowing for upgrades on new hardware every 20 months versus the previous 22 All these changes uh, will go into effect this past Friday, September 16th. Well, you know, there's uh, this is one argument for, you know, losing T-Mobile saying, well, it doesn't really matter uh, because they all seem to change their policies to match one another, you know, reducing it down from 30 days. I mean, if this was a competitive market and they were trying to gain customers, they'd extend it to 45 days or they would do, you know, keep it at 30 days, which was a competitive advantage. So this is... Uh, disappointing to see this uh that they're they're shortening this window down and uh you know kind of matching the other players in the market 
I, I think it's really a, a big play, of course, uh, just coming up here on the expected release of the iPhone on the network as well. And and they don't want, you know, especially the premier customers able to get a new iPhone every year uh, when they're subsidizing, you know, over $300 off the cost of it. Um, so they're going to be pushing that back, of course, to the 20 the month period. So if you're uh, one of those premier customers and you're looking to buy a device, may I suggest the Epic 4G Touch. <laughs> you can get this for only $200 and uh, use your upgrade right now. Boost Mobile on Thursday announced changes to its Android voice and data plans, increasing the rate by $5 a month on October 6th. The plans will still include unlimited talk, text, and data, and current customers will be grandfathered in at the $50 rate. Customers who upgrade to an Android-based device or join Boost after October 6th will be subject to the $55 all-in rate. Finally, the plans will now be eligible for the Shrinkage program, where customers will get $5 off plans for every six months of on-time payments. Boost also announced the addition of the Samsung Transform Ultra coming on October 7th. The phone features Android 2.3, a 1 gigahertz processor, and will cost $229 with no contract. Metro PCS Thursday announced that 20% of its CDMA 1X network would be upgraded by the end of the year to EVDO 3G coverage. CFO Braxton Carter said that the $100 million investment to upgrade the towers is being done as they don't expect most customers to make the jump over to LTE until the cost of phones and services drops. Metro PCS had initially planned to skip a 3G deployment entirely in favor for the LTE network. No word on where the EVDO upgrades will occur. Well, if you're looking for a way to support the cell phone junkie, join us on TCPJ Unlocked. It's our bi-monthly premium podcast for only $5 a month, $12 a quarter, or $45 a year. You'll get in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click the link for TCPJ Unlocked, and a big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. AT&T on Monday announced that it will sell the Samsung Focus S, the HTC Titan, and the Samsung Focus Flash as its first Windows Phone 7.5 Mango devices. The Focus S and the Flash both feature 1.4 GHz processors, Super AMOLED Plus displays, and front-facing cameras. The S is a slab-style device with a 4.3-inch display, 4G speeds, and an 8-megapixel camera. The Flash has a 3.7-inch screen, 5-megapixel camera, and is said to be small and light. Pricing and release dates were not mentioned. AT&T said that it will start upgrading its existing Windows Phone 7 handsets, including the HTC HD7S, the Samsung Focus, the LG Quantum, and the HTC Around to Windows Phone 7.5 Mango later this fall. Motorola on Monday announced the Electrify coming to U.S. Sailor in the upcoming weeks. Sporting the same hardware as the Photon 4G for Sprint, the Electrify has Android 2.3 Gingerbread, a 1 GHz NVIDIA Tegra 2 dual-core processor, an 8-megapixel camera with front-facing unit, and a 4.3-inch QHD display. Other features include EVDO 3G, 16 gigs of onboard storage, and a micro SD card support uh, up to 32 gigs. Cost will be $200 with a new agreement, though no release date has been set. AT&T on Monday announced the Acer Iconia A501 Android Honeycomb tablet coming to its network this month. The 501 is the same is the same as the 10-inch Iconia A500, only with an HSPA Plus radio for use on AT&T's network. Pricing starts at $479 contract-free, and subsidized models would be sold for $329 with a two-year contract, which includes a $35 per month data plan. 
HTC on Wednesday announced the Sensation XE, the first handset to include Beats technology from its partner Beats Audio. The Sensation comes with Beats Audio software and a pair of in-ear Beats by Dr. Dre headphones. The additions bring fuller bass and crisper vocals to the music consumed on the device. The phone's specs are similar to that of the Sensation currently available, including a 4.3-inch QHD display with Android Gingerbread. Changes include a faster 1 gigahertz dual or 1.5 gigahertz dual core processor and an extended 1730 milliamp hour battery. The XE will be available in Europe, the Middle East, and Asia starting in September. And also on Wednesday, British retailer Phones for You announced that they'll be the first to carry HTC's new flagship starting on October 1st. Reseller Clove also announced that they'll have the phone, saying stock will be available starting on October 7th. Pricing will be around $780. Sprint on Wednesday announced the LG Marquee, an Android 2.3 gingerbread device coming out on October 2nd. The Marquee features a 1 gigahertz processor, 5 megapixel rear and 2 megapixel front cameras, as well as mobile hotspot capabilities. The Sprint branded Optimus Black is the first phone to launch in the United States with LG's 4-inch super bright Nova display. Pre-orders can be placed on Tuesday, September 20th for shipping by the 29th. The device will be $100 after new agreement and $50 mail-in rebate. The Motorola Admiral was leaked midweek in the Sprint Direct Connect documents. Uh, The device features Android 2.3, a 3.1-inch display, QWERTY keyboard, 1,860 milliamp hour battery, 5 megapixel camera, and 1.2 gigahertz Qualcomm processor. No word on when the device will be released or the price. And this is the device that's kind of the follow-up to the Motorola Expert. We had seen the, we've seen this now about three times uh, come up. I can't remember. It had a different name before. But uh, this is basically kind of an updated. It looks uh, almost like a bold, like the keyboard is now curved. Um, it's the same design, but of course it's got the Direct Connect that's uh, up and coming for Sprint. So it'll be a great uh, device to launch, uh, to launch uh, with that service because it is definitely aimed at the BlackBerry crowd. And you're absolutely right. The Admiral is geared towards that BlackBerry crowd. And so if you're someone who enjoys messaging, this could be the device that replaces your Berry. Well, this show is also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. So it is available on Android or the iOS for $1.99. It's a great way to help support the work that we do here every week. And you can get all of the shows on either of your Android or iOS devices by using this. No need to have the intervention of any sort of podcatcher or anything. Other things that you'll get will be streaming access to play the shows from everywhere. The always updated uh, nature of it gives you the latest episodes in an archived back catalog, as well as exclusive extras. We post all the PDFs for all the show notes there, and so you can go and check those out. Also, quick links for all the contact methods for the show and a favorites function if you want to mark an episode to listen to it offline. So a lot of great ways to support us by downloading this application, and you get a lot for it as well. Well, details on the BIS 4.1 update from RIM were leaked out back in July, but this week they finally listed all the new features coming in the update. As expected, BlackBerry devices running OS 7 can now receive email messages up to 11 megs in size, download attachments in their original format that are up to 8 megs in size, and view up to 300 kilobytes of an HTML email message. Also, subscribers who insert their new SIM into their BlackBerry smartphone, including SIM cards from different wireless service providers, no longer experience email flow interruptions. 
The BlackBerry Internet service only stops sending email to a smartphone now when a subscriber deletes all data from that smartphone, not when a new SIM is inserted into the smartphone. This means that users must delete all data from their smartphone through a security wipe to protect personal information, including email messages and synchronized contacts and calendar events. Last week, NBC announced its iPad application offering access to full-length episodes, and additionally, the app gives fans uh, access to content from their favorite shows and features thousands of video clips and highlights, as well as exclusive photo galleries, recaps, and other customizable content. And then Turner Broadcasting Group this week released updated iPad apps for its TNT and TBS networks with full episodes to users with cable subscriptions. However, Turner has taken it one step further and has also updated its iPhone applications for TNT and TBS with the same functionality. I kind of like this, and and I wanted to bring this this up because what we're seeing now is uh, not only are the networks now realizing that people want to consume the TV shows uh, that they produce wherever they are, but they figured out a way to do it that makes sense. So in the case of TNT and TBS, um, obviously they don't want anybody uh, just to be able to access this, but those that have subscriptions uh, to a cable network that then, of course, have access to their stations, they know they're already paying for the content, so why not give them access to it? So just enter your credentials and uh, there you go. You'll be able to watch the content. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I believe you can't get it for Time Warner, but it's uh, it, it's it, it's unfortunate you can't just buy a subscription uh, to get it exclusively because I I don't have a cable subscription, so I I wouldn't be able to watch those uh, networks. But but if it was something like a reasonable amount of uh, two or three dollars a month, I'd have no problem probably subscribing to that or at least a few channels to watch their content occasionally on the iPad. So it's uh, unfortunate, you know, they've got all their deals wrapped up right now with cable companies, but I would imagine that sometime in the future, they're going to be able to, to uh, get that set up where we can access those shows. You know, somebody who's not a cable subscriber. I, I just thought of something. Isn't Time Warner owned by Turner or Turner owns Time Warner? I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, they're related somehow. So that makes this all the stranger <laughs> if the fact that the company that you own or owns you isn't uh, doesn't give you access Anyway, bottom line, you've got some great things you can do here. If you're an NBC fan uh, or watcher, you know, I I love the show The Office. You can now watch full episodes. There are ads, but guess what? That's how NBC makes their money. So watch the ads. Enjoy the content on the go. It's great to see this. ABC has had their uh, their player out for quite a while. So this is uh, very nice to see. Facebook this week updated to version 1.7 for Android, bringing UI tweaks and some new features, including an improved sharing tool, the ability to tag friends in places and photos, and also a new design for profile and group walls. The update for Android allows last week's or follows last week's iOS update to version 3.5. However, unlike the lack of iPad support on the Apple side, this update works on all handsets, including Android 3.0 Honeycomb devices. Uh, the update is available for free. Uh, from the Android market. Well, we've got a couple of questions here this week. First one comes to us from Ruben. He said, I purchased a Bluetio Bluetooth earpiece that was able to start and stop my podcast, but it broke and I haven't seen, been able to find another one that will do the same. Uh, now, I'm looking at uh, Ruben's uh, question here and was able to find uh, over at Bluetio dot com dot hk so it's a hong kong website uh, they've got a number of options over there some some products there that uh, appear to be able to start and stop podcasts uh, based on the functionality of the way that they do the a2dp streaming so I- i'm going to put a link in the show notes here for you so you can you can uh, follow this if you want but uh, i i think you're going to be able to find some something that you need right here 
Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure that there's plenty of other A2DP uh, supporting Bluetooth headsets that have a play and a pause button and a track forward button. I would, I would think that anyone that supports A2DP would actually have those extra buttons on there to do that. So there's you're probably not limited to this brand. There's got to be uh, a, a, at least a handful of other options that are maybe more readily available. And uh, I will ask all of you listening out there, if you've got a, a recommendation, um, please send it in and uh, we'll share it next week. Uh, unfortunately, I don't use a lot of uh, Bluetooth headsets for, for listening to podcasts or the like. I, I do use Bluetooth, but but not for this. So I, I can't make a, a, a real world decision on this uh, or recommendation, I should say. But if, if you've got something that you do this with that you like, please send it in. Just shoot us a note, questions at the cell phone junkie. We'll make a list and we'll share it on a future show. And we've got a question from Bobby. He said, hey, guys, I always hear you talk about testing the data speeds from your carriers in your area. How do you do that? Any particular program or app that you use? It seems that Verizon has been at a snail's crawl the past few days. What speed should I look for and what should be considered normal? Thanks, Bobby. Well, Bobby, the the app that I mostly use, and and Joey, I think you're probably in the same boat here, is one uh, called speedtest.net. This is a website uh, and also an application. So if you go to speedtest.net from your your browser, uh, you will be able to uh, go in and test the speeds that you have on your computer. And uh, likewise, if you've got an Android device or an iOS device, you can go to the app stores, and these are free apps. You download them and uh, launch it. Click the button that says begin test and it will run the test for you and uh, show you the speeds uh, that you're getting. It, it, it only takes about a minute and uh, I do it all the time just testing out the networks in the areas that I'm in. And uh, the really the only one it doesn't work for is BlackBerry. The way, they, uh, the way their servers handle uh, downloads, it, it's kind of unreliable for that, but works for everything else. So normal speeds, what should you be looking at? Well, if you're on Verizon, you said you're on Verizon and you're on the EVDO network, um, I would say normal speeds uh, on the download side are somewhere between 5 and 800 kilobits per second. Um, but again, it, it's really going to vary on, on where you are, I think. Yeah, and for Sprint, I mean, if you're kind of on a, in a normal area, realistically, it's more like 300, 250, 150. I mean, and then upstream, a lot of times, no more than 50. A lot of times it's like that, but a lot of other times you can see, you know, two to 300 kilobits per second up. And when you get into EVDO Rev A, um, you can get close to a meg. And that's the other thing. If you're in a really good EVDO area, um, I have seen speeds up to two megs a second. That is not the norm. I rarely have seen that, but I have seen it in really good areas. And I've seen more. I've seen 2.4 download, uh, uh, 2.4 megabit down with EVDO Rev A on Verizon. Uh, tethered through a BlackBerry, so it's uh, it's definitely uh, it definitely can move if it's got uh, if it's got everything lined up right. You like that, Bobby? You like that normal? What your normal speeds are? Fifty kilobits a second, eight hundred, one meg, two megs, two point four. <laughs> it's just all over the board. I, I would say you're probably in the acceptable range if you're somewhere be you know um, above five hundred kilobits per second on EVDO. Um, we agree on that. Yeah, for download, that's especially if it's a Verizon. I mean, it should really be it, it should be better than uh, Sprint. On the WiMAX side, if you're on WiMAX, uh, uh, boy, this is a hard one too. Maybe three megs down. Um, I tested it in, in about as good of a WiMAX area as I could on this uh, this Epic 4G Touch this week, and I think I got uh, like seven and a half down, which was really really nice. Yep, I've seen that high once. Uh, most of the time I see around three, and then it's... What, didn't they just increase the upstream limit to 1.5? 1.5, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, there's... Um, the, see, and that's the thing. There's It depends on the network and, and what you're going to see. On the LTE side, I've seen it uh, well into the 30 megabit per second range. Um, totally un, 
you know, reliable at that speed. You're not, you're, you're not going to see that often, but you know, it's five to 12 megs down, um, and two to five up on the LTE side. Uh, and, and that's probably what most people are seeing. I, I mean, I, I do have very good luck with, with the LTE on the HSPA side. This is going to all over the board here is what you're going to see with this AT&T and T-Mobile is, is, are very, um, I don't, I don't even know how to put this and not sound just totally negative. I have not found very much reliability when it comes to the HSPA side. Um, on the iPhone, I see everything from the typical, you know, five to 500 kilobits per second up to one meg to um, at, at the peak, I've seen like over six megs. Um, keep in mind that HSPA plus will take this to 21 megabits per second or even more. But these are, these are the, uh, these are the theoretical speeds. These are not what you're always going to see. So, um, it's gonna. It's more about the user experience and the actual number. So keep that in mind. It's fun to test it out and see where you're at. But uh, really, it uh, you know, if you're having sluggish performance and you test the speed and you see that your speeds are are really really low, then absolutely you've got an issue there. But otherwise, just use the phone and, and don't worry too much about it. Yeah, and there's a few other networks here. You know, the GSM or Edge network, the GPRS. You get some really slow networks then. One uh, X for uh, CDMA, but. But, you know, really in the, the days of data here, I mean, it, as long as you're getting 500 kilobits per second, it's usually not too bad. And and like uh, you kind of alluded to there, latency is also kind of a, a, a big thing as far as uh, user experience goes. And and with the WiMAX and LTE, uh, LTE is the best for the latency, HSPA and HSPA Plus. I know Plus is a little bit better, but EVDO is, uh, that's kind of mediocre um, for the latency. But it's really tough to say because wherever you're at, it's always going to be different. And uh, I was a little off here, Joey, on my, my speed tests with the WiMAX. Uh, 8.5 megs down and 1.46 megs up. So, and, and uh, latency in the 120 millisecond range. I, I was on top of this tower, mind you. So, not literally. Pretty close though. I was up on top of a building, looking straight out at it. Anyway, uh, it was uh, it was pretty pretty good speeds though. Um, I, I was very happy with that. But again, th- these are like best case scenario. Um, you know, if I were to just you know run a speed test right now, it's probably going to be somewhere in the 500 kilobit a second range. And and Joey makes a good point. 500 is probably the the point at which you're you know for just your typical downloading email, pulling up a web page, running an app or something like that. That's probably what you're going to see. You're not going to you're what you're going to need. You're not going to need much more than that. Yeah, and and you know certain phones that don't even really respond much faster than than that. I mean, yes, it could transfer data quicker, but but you know building a website takes a lot more processing power as far as you know layering the CSS and doing all that than it is actually. Uh, it it can it can't even handle the data that quick. In in many cases, if you're web browsing, for example. One final thing on that, make sure you turn Wi-Fi off before you do the test or you'll just be like me and what I just did is I, I ran my test and I went, wow, look at this. The speeds are fantastic. I just got uh, 14 megs down and 8 megs up. Oh, yeah, that's Wi-Fi. <laughs> so make sure, you turn your, make sure you turn it off before you do the test. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at uh, 206-203-3734 or follow us at a number of different places over at the cell phone junkie.com on Facebook, facebook.com slash the cell phone junkie or on Twitter at twitter.com slash cell phone junkie. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.